You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. 702 and Cape Talk. Take your bite with Aki Anastasio. Hello, Aki. How Hello, are you? I missed you a lot. I, can I don't see care what everybody else is. We haven't shaven in two weeks. We are so worried about who Mind you, look at you. Yeah, look at you. Oh. Do you have a nice time? You sound relaxed. I do. Good to have you I back. don't have any tapes to prove it, but I had a nice time. <laughs> ouch, ouch, ouch. <laughs> uh, Caesar was great, eh? He's, he's fantastic. I love him to nice bits. Love his brain. Yeah. Um, and love the way that he engages social and political discourse. Yeah. Uh, listen, before we get on to the order of the business, mm. I've been so busy this morning enjoying the open line. I didn't even do the normal, have a, have a look to see what like, he's going to talk to us about. But he's the expert, yes, yeah, so I'll defer to him. Before we do that, how hard is it for phones and stuff to be hacked? You know, phones are very vulnerable today, and um, it it all goes down to the behavior that you, you know, what kind of behavior you do with your phones. I'm not talking about the video per se, but where you charge your phone, which wireless networks you connect to. Um, and yes, um, when you hear stories like the FBI that they can intercept mobile phone communication, they can do it. Um, you know, WhatsApp conversations can be intercepted. You can download stuff on a phone, for example, that... Um, uh, you know, that that uh, is a malware that whatever you do on your phone will send it to a third party and I'll get that information. So that technology is out there. Also, uh, a lot of people get tricked. You know, when you go to an airport, for example, and you collect, connect to a Wi-Fi hotspot, you just see, uh, let's say, oh, Tambo International hotspot and it's an open hotspot, right? Mm. We assume that that hot, hotspot is a trusted hotspot. Do you know the authenticity of that hotspot? Because as soon as you open your Wi-Fi, I think there's so many different hotspots you can connect to, right? But people connect, and they don't realize who they're connecting. And I've seen this in real life, where somebody's sitting in a business lounge, they set up a, a, false, uh, a, a false connection, right? Somebody connects to that connection, and they've got instant access to their computer or their laptop. Okay? That's scary. Um, the, other, the, other, the other thing I wanted to ask you, right, yes. was... Um, when someone hacks your, your device, mm. do they get everything that's on the device? You can if you want to. You can get personal stuff, personal records, because the one thing numbers dialed. The, the one thing that is of public interest here is the full set of data that the alleged hackers would now have. Yes. Because presumably, when if, if my intention is to hack you just because I want to see your Greek member, Yes. I can't stop seeing other things that, I might, that might come up as well, right? Correct. So if the minister's version of this is accurate, we've got a huge state IT security question to be answered here because presumably the people who blackmailed him got more than they bargained for. In fact, on his version, it's even possible they weren't looking for porn. No, absolutely, and I'm glad you raised that because uh, they've obviously got access to a lot of information, some very interesting information that somebody's sitting on, and it's not just uh, Minister Gigaba's information. It's other ministers as well. Who else okay. has been hacked? If, the, if he's been hacked, surely everybody else has been hacked in the same way, that they have access to their absolutely. devices. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd love to know who's behind it, number one. Well, we know who's behind it, according to the minister, but I'm sure that there are third parties as well that probably have access to this information. What is going to be done with this last, information? Last question on this I wanted to ask you. How difficult is it to trace who hacked one's device? Well, that's that's always a challenging one, you know, because, um, you know, you can, I suppose, do some, some kind of forensic audit, trace back IPs, but today there's very smart people that do this kind of thing. Um, so sometimes it can be challenging, but people do make mistakes and they do leave uh, digital breadcrumbs behind that you can find out where the trace came from. 
IP address, linking it to a specific server, for example. Um, uh, the challenging thing is uh, on Twitter accounts, for example, if you were somebody that retweeted that video or posted that video, uh, then it becomes a legal matter that you have to take through to to Twitter, and on Twitter you can set up an, an anonymous email. No, no, I get, I get yeah, that. Right, that's that. Part of my interest here is if it is true that the state security ministry says to my Lucy, "Sorry, dude, we can't help you. Go get a private investigator." I want to know: Is it right for citizens to think, "My God"? Our spooks and stuff are pathetic. Mm. Presumably, they should have the capability, whatever that looks like technologically, to be able to help the minister trace these people, or is it is it more complicated than that? No, it's not more complicated. Somebody is uh, is passing the buck here, and somebody's passing the ball to somebody else and saying that, you know, we're washing our hands clean of this. Um, I, you know, I don't know the complexities of it. I've just been listening and hearing what you've been talking about, but it's ludicrous to think that a senior member of cabinet gets that treatment from one of our most trusted sources, our trusted ministries in government, to say that, you know, here's somebody who's got highly confidential information that says, go to a third party to see who hacked your phone. Sorry, I've missed you, so there's a bonus question. Oh. Is there a way to find out who's behind the Barry Rue account on Twitter? Well, that's a, that's a challenging one. I'd love to know who is behind it as well, um, because, uh, you know, they've registered an account with, uh, you know, with, with Twitter, you have to open up a legal case um, to say that there's been uh, an incident that has happened, somebody has been defamed, etc. It's a criminal case, whatever the case may be. Twitter then have to reveal who that person is, right? Uh, which account it's linked to. For all we know, they could have opened up a Gmail account. Then you've got to go back to Google and trace yeah. back from Google who opened that account. And, and there's ways of tracing it, you know, but it will take while, a while. It's a laborious process. It's a costly legal process. Okay. But... Um, you know, the one thing that irritates me about Twitter is that I believe that it's such a toxic thing, and you wrote about this um, on your on your Facebook profile, that I think that you should be verified to use social media mm -hmm. with an ID or a passport, that you have to be verified so that there is some comeback mm -hmm. in case you do something wrong and hurt other people. Break the law. Break the law, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, and right now, there isn't that thing. I mean, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, it's a laborious progress, a process to get and find out the, yeah. the person who owns that account. But if they did have, um, you know, uploaded some security ID and uh, and it's held in a, in a secure environment, then you've got comeback. Okay, Aki, as our former colleague John would have said, what have you got for us? What have you got for us? Give us a laugh. What have you got for us? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've got a couple of things for you. Uh, firstly, um, I've been playing around with this uh, latest uh, flagship device from Huawei. It's the Mate 20 Pro. And I've got to say, it's an exceptional phone. You know, this is an interesting company. It's a, it's a Chinese company. I remember when they started producing their devices many years ago, they were quite behind the curve, the other guys. They've been catching up very fast. And this new phone of theirs, it's their latest flagship phone. It fights and it pulls the same kind of punches that the big guys pull from Apple and Samsung right at the top. It's an exceptional phone. It's got some unique features in terms of the camera. And at the back, you'll see it's got not one, not two. It's got three different lenses. Mm -hmm. And each one of those lenses is... There's a there's three of the three cameras at the back. The one's a 40 megapixel wide angle, the other one's a 20 megapixel ultra wide lens, and the other one's an 8 megapixel telephoto lens. And that's amazing, dude. That's fit for ministerial usage. It is. It is. You can really take big very enough. detailed photographs. Yeah. It is big enough, and you get real close-ups, de details on videos that you take and everything. 
Naughty. Yeah, you are below the belt. You're eh? naughty, yeah. I must go back on holiday. Yeah, you must. You corrupt me. Uh, me. And it's <laughs> um, by, by the manufacturer Leica. You know, they've been around in the camera business for a long time. So they've been... Their cameras have been consistently good, I have to say. No, their cameras yeah. are very, very impressive. Um, but what this says, it's got, it's got some other interesting features. For example, it's got a massive battery. So it's got a 4,200 4, hour battery, which gives you almost two days. It's really um, a, a big battery. But what they've done is they've got rever- a reverse charge feature so the later newer phones have got wireless charging as does yours right so if you're starting to run out of juice i just flip my phone over like this and you put your phone on top of my phone and i can charge your phone from my phone yeah as i said to aki i think it's really awesome i feel sorry for people who are going to buy this phone because those of us who conveniently forget our charges will be on some yes. who's going to use your phone my battery is low it's going to it's going to be like those people that are saying uh, i've run out of cigarettes do you have a cigarette yes. <laughs> it's the same kind of thesis. but it's, but it's, it's really quite, cool it's quite a clever feature and i'll tell you that um the 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 photographs that the huawei mate 20 pro takes are extraordinary and there's no doubt about it there's going to be a fight for the top phone of the year and this is definitely in the top three along with the Samsung uh, Note and, uh, and of course, the Apple's flagship uh, iPhone 10 device, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the bigger version, the Max version. So that's the one thing that I've got. And it's amazing what people are thinking about, you know. So you've got winter coming up in some countries around the world. I was about to say, In some countries around the winter world. Winter is coming. So, the, you know, the one thing about winter is you cannot predict the weather, right? Yeah. Um, and you want to stay warm. And somebody's developed a company called um, Intelligent – what are they called? Uh, it's called – they're called Mercury. They've invented this – intelligent heating jacket and what it does is it's got special fibers and special sensors that are built into this that um, it it makes it an internet of things jacket right so it's got a built-in battery and it adjusts to your temperature your body temperature it knows where you feel most comfortable and how warm you are and it's adjusted and it's got uh, built-in heaters to it so it's got it talks to the weather service it knows what the temperature is going to be like it's got uh, batteries that are built inside it and really it's a thin jacket you don't even feel that the batteries are there mm-hmm. uh, it's really a micro light jacket but it learns from your body it, it's got a built-in accelerometer it measures the outside ambient temperature and it adjusts your body temperature, or at least your jacket temperature without you having to do anything, put a vest on or anything. So you just need this jacket. Um, and what they're saying is that this jacket is going to be measuring your health stats and your vital stats sooner. So wearable clothing is becoming a big thing. And uh, they already make these vests that read your blood pressure and read your heart rate while you sleep at night. If you are prone to getting a heart attack, for example, and it will pick up stuff and, and you know alert the doctor if your heart is irregular and that sort of thing. So wearable technology is going to be big, big. And then the last thing that I've got for you. Which is something you're very passionate oh, about, right? Data, so data is just so amazing. Last week I was in Milan. I went for a day to the SAS Analytics Experience Conference. Now, this company you might Wait, Did you bump into Marva? No, actually, he, he was because he was he, somewhere. No, he was also there, somewhere in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. He was in Florence posting photographs. Yeah, yeah, Cheers. Don't draw any in, uh, inference <laughs> there. Um, but but you know the thing is, these guys are they they're the market leaders when it comes to predictive analytics. Now you and I might not have heard of these. Well, many people haven't heard of this company, but the big banks work with them. The big insurance companies work with these guys. And what they do is they've been in this game for decades. They've got some very smart technology that analyzes data and makes sense of it. Now, in the world that we're living in where we've got IoT and things are becoming so real, 
artificial intelligence uh, plugged in with uh, predictive analytics is going to be key for companies differentiating themselves in the future. Um, and, you know, great examples are Discovery Insure, for example, that know more about my driving habits, uh, how I drive. I get a report back on my driving, and they basically know exactly if I'm how, what kind of a risk I am to them. It's, yeah. it's extraordinary. I, I get a monthly mm-hmm. report my braking, my speeds. I know if I've used my phone while I've been driving. So they start to work out very accurate statistics about you and 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 really price it in. But you know mm. that's insurance. But banking is the same thing. Just based on your usage patterns, they can spot fraud, for example, used in an airline industry where they've got these engines that have got you know thousands of sensors producing huge amounts of data. Making those in- engines efficient can yield uh, you know millions of dollars to a, an airline from efficiencies when it comes to the engine. So I got to speak to you know uh, their CTO. His name is Oliver Schabenberger, and I asked him a very interesting question because a lot of people are scared about AI and if AI is becoming real and how real can I, AI get? Can AI, for example, start predicting and making decisions in the same way that humans beings make decisions? You know, um, which which was quite. It's quite an interesting one, and a lot of people are saying that AI is not ever going to be like human-like and has the same intellect as our brain. But he had some very interesting things to say when I asked him the question, is that will AI ever get to that stage? Right now, they cannot. I think yes. there's very limited understanding, contextual understanding, and logic reasoning. And that's partly because of the technology we're currently using. Um, if, you, if you imagine, if you take all my health records, anything that's ever been recorded me about lab, in, uh, yeah. lab results, MRIs, x-rays, um, results from doctor visits, take all the unstructured data that's available there too and put it in a database. Could you infer my state of health from that? No. No. These data sets that we're using in, in, in machine learning, in deep learning, they're snapshots of the world. Mm. They represent a certain point of the world. They don't re- represent how the world works. So we can infer reasoning from that. That's why if you, that's why we can translate text from one language into another with natural language processing today very accurately. But we can't, the machine cannot tell you what it translated. It does not know what the meaning of the words is. Mm-hmm. So our technology right now is not able to do that. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, the technology we're working on will not directly lead to this thinking, reasoning machines that can provide, uh, given a problem, can assess the problem, plan how to solve the problem, and then go about solving mm-hmm. it. That's what we do. And it takes a lot of reasoning, logic understanding, contextual understanding to do that. That's why we have three billions of years of, uh, uh, of evolution in our brains to rely on. Yeah. Big advantage that we have. Now, will we get to that point where machines can reason? I believe so. But I cannot give you a date for that. But I can say that we're on the path because we're trying. We will eventually get it. We're we're building better and better information processing systems. It's just really a matter of time until we we get yeah, so that's the uh, the SAS CTO, Chief Technology and Chief Operating Officer Oliver Schabenberger talking to me uh, from Milan at this conference. And uh, yo, I was like blown away from this conference and what these guys are up to. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you, Aki. Thank you for the insights. Have, have a lovely day. Have a beautiful day. day. Yes. You